For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in. I have a wonderful podcast for you today. Uh, we are interviewing Kim Daly, who is a franchise expert, business coach, motivational speaker. She is very knowledgeable about the franchise industry, amongst other things. And I'm excited to actually speak to her because I have a lot of questions in general. Um, you all know that I am in franchising myself, being a franchisor. Um, but separate from that, just the industry of franchising always prompts questions with uh, people who don't know much about it. And uh, there are some fallacies about franchise. There are some people think that there are some questions that they have that, you know, are misdirected and, and there's just a lot of misinformation out there. But in general, we're going to talk franchising today, maybe some other stuff. Tune in, relax. We're going to roll the intro and then we'll get to Kim. All right, welcome to the Common Sense Show, um, and we have Kim Dilley here. I just talked about her in the open. Um, Kim has spent the last 20 years helping people achieve financial freedom by enabling them to find the perfect franchise opportunity. Her skill for matching a client's background, interests, skills, finances, and life goals to ideal opportunities has made her one of the top franchise consultants in the country today. We are here to gain insights into what can seem like a daunting process deciding on the perfect franchise to enable you to gain financial freedom and much, much more. Kim, welcome to the Commonsense Show. Thank you, Micah. It's a pleasure to be here. So you are a, what is a top franchise consultant in the country? You're obviously what it looks like. So what do you do in order to get that, <laughs> to get that credential? What does that even mean? <laughs> this means that I am blessed to help a lot of people learn about franchising. That's what it means. And so you must spend a lot of time overcoming some myths and things that ideas that people have about franchising that are not true. What are some of the most common, should we say, myths or untruths about franchising that you have to constantly battle back? I love that you even you even acknowledge that because I literally spend so much time helping people. Like I look at my role in exploring a franchise as sort of like saying yes to a franchise is like a battlefield in a candidate's mind, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And I'm like the war general that knows where every pitfall and landmine is. And if I can successfully navigate you around your assumptions, your false expectations, your, right, those limiting beliefs, then 
you might be able to become a business owner. <laughs> Excellent. So, so, so I'd say the number one myth in franchising mm -hmm. is build it and they will come. People think, well, it's a franchise, right? Like I'm just going to open my doors and people are going to flood in. Right. Like we all wish that were true, but being a business owner means that you are accountable to creating your customer base. And mm -hmm. yes, in a franchise, if it comes with a name brand, there's that recognition that can help and a great location that can help. Or if you're a territory based business where you have a marketing plan and people are finding you, but you have to, you still have to do certain things in order to attract your customers to you, right? So the second myth that comes off of that one, Micah, is, wait, so I just gave a franchisor, you know, a $50,000 franchise fee, and now they're telling me I have to pay to advertise? Like, what did I just pay them for? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. So the franchise fee is the one-time fee that you give to a franchisor that Kim Daly calls the cost of entry into Disneyland. Mm. <laughs> the franchise <laughs> fee is just buying you access to all their ready-made tools. That's the difference between an entrepreneur going out and with an idea and having to create, define the customer, trial and error the marketing to figure out what the customer is going to respond to and where to spend the advertising dollars and how many advertising dollars to spend and how long you're going to have to spend it, right? Mm -hmm. Versus, and then creating the technology to help you eff efficiently and effectively manage a business. A franchisee pays a fee and gets instant access to all of that, right? right. So that's why you're buying down the learning curve. So when you when you pay a franchise fee, yes, you still have to pay to advertise to find your customers. That's not what a franchise is. Mm -hmm. The franchise is just defining who the customer is, how many of them you need to build a positively cash flowing business, where to spend that money to get the most bang for your buck, and approximately right. how long it may take till you have this positively cash flowing business. So it can help to set expectations but owners still have to wake up and execute and wake up every day and figure out where their next customer is coming from. Whether you're in a franchise or you're an entrepreneur, that is what owning a business is all about. Yeah. It's funny because I, you know, I have this process to, so I'm, I'm in the fitness industry in terms of franchising um, my personal training concept. And so I, I've dealt with a, a many prospects, right. And, um, one of the things that we speak about is, you know, they have good questions, which some of them are, how do we launch into this area? What does the support look like? What am I getting for my franchise fee, as you mentioned just now? And then, of course, it's how much, when do I start making money? And so the answer to that question is really, it depends, because it's the same question that you would have if you had to build it from the ground up, as you previously said. But, you know, I think that there's just this mythical idea that you purchase a franchise and in exchange for purchasing the franchise, you get cash in your bank. Right. And it's like, that's not exactly how it goes. Exactly. We all wish it was. Now, in some cases, franchisors do the marketing for you. They'll take mm -hmm. your advertising dollars. They'll do all the search engine optimization mm -hmm. and digital marketing for you. They'll get your phone to ring depending on the complexity of the sale, like some simple businesses like 
mosquito spraying or junk removal, those franchisors can have national call center, you know, people answer the phone for you because it's not rocket science. Mm -hmm. And in some of those cases, the fran the national call center people can even, you know, walk me the customer through the sale and take the credit card and book me as a customer into your into your schedule. Um, because everybody buys a protected territory of zip codes. So that's how they field, you know, my call back to to you, the franchisee. So some franchisors can do all of that kind of back end for you. But even if they are doing that for you, it doesn't absolve a franchisee of going out and being the brand ambassador in their community, wearing the shirt and, you know, walking into businesses that may need your product or service or looking for what I call doing the whale hunting. Oftentimes mm -hmm. the, the marketing plan will attract the residential customer or you, you know, the individual consumer, but businesses don't buy from advertising. They buy from salespeople. They buy from people right. they know, like, and trust. So the, the owner can free up their time and go be the whale hunter looking for like, let's say you have a painting company, you know, the residential customers are coming in through the marketing when I'm ready to paint my house or paint a room and you can send your, you know, your sales associate into my house to measure and build that relationship and sell me while you as the franchise owner are going out and trying to bid on the new the church that's going to be painted or the school that's going to be painted over the summer. Right. And in some franchisors have national accounts, even like Serta Pro Painters, which is the largest painting company in North America. And they have a huge national accounts program like McDonald's and Pep Boys and AutoZones and all of these stores. If they fall within your territory, it doesn't mean the, the business just trickles to you you still got to go out and meet the managers and the 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 you know the the people that are running those businesses and say hey i'm here this we're national partners i'd love to earn your business when you're ready right yeah i was on twitter aka the circular firing squad and um and <laughs> there was a woman that commented on i posted something about my franchise and there was a woman who commented on my twitter post and she said yeah, franchising is a scam because they take the money and you only get a little. And so this was a good opportunity for me to ask a few clarifying questions, to say the least. And so I asked her, I said, so what do you mean a scam, first of all? And secondly, what franchises are you referring to? And she said she talked about restaurants and she said there's very little profit in restaurants and blah, blah, blah. I feel like there's this overwhelming sense that franchising in general is just restaurants and people don't have an idea that there are so many other opportunities that one can franchise and so and build wealth in right there's so many other industries other than just buying a McDonald's a Burger King or a Wendy's yep so yep. how do you do how do you deal with that i mean yep. are, are, people must be stunned when you come to them with the whole supermarket basket full of concepts that they could actually purchase <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. I stand before thousands of audiences over 20 years. And, you know, when I say to these executive investors or people like, listen, I'm not going to bring you food. You're going to have to beg me. So I am one of America's top franchise consultants and I do not show food. Like that woman said, there's no money in it. There are faster, easier, better ways to make money than mm -hmm. food. And so people are like, well, what else is a franchise? That's just what we see or what we know as consumers. Right. But there are 
thousands of businesses that operate as franchises. The home services space is a huge and growing industry, especially yeah. since 2020, when a lot of people turned their money, you know, we couldn't go on vacation. So we turned it back into our home. We built pools and think about just a, a homeowner putting in a pool. There's a patio now. You need we need a patio. We need uh maybe we need outdoor lighting. Maybe we need mosquito spraying to keep the mm -hmm. mosquitoes away so we can swim at night. We need a pool cleaning service, right? The other explosion in 2020, puppies. Everybody got a puppy in 2020. Well, think of all of the home services around a puppy. There's the people that can scoop the poop in the backyard. Yeah. There's the dog grooming companies. There's um the treats and food companies. Mm -hmm. There's dog walking and boarding. I mean, those two industries alone create dozens of franchise opportunities. There are franchises in all of those things I just mentioned. So we do things like I tell my candidates, when you come to me, you don't have to have the idea. If you have an idea of what you think you're interested in, awesome. Right. But more than likely, once I've, I'm done interviewing you, we may not be looking at companies in that space. Although mm -hmm. I do love fitness like you, Micah. I'm a fitness girl. Yeah. If you're into fitness, I definitely, um, or wellness, we have some really awesome franchisors, but it more than likely I'm going to be, I'm going to be bringing you companies that come from left field. Like yeah. I do not need you to be a widget master. I do not need you to have prior experience. Yeah. I need you to have the core business skills that a franchise requires, which is either sales mm -hmm. operations or management of people or, mm -hmm. or some combination thereof. And literally the franchisor can teach you about their industry, can teach you how to hire the people that will be the ones actually working in your business while you, the CEO, get to work on it. Yeah. So we have thousands of options. There is never a shortage of opportunity. I get trained on new companies every week. My inventory is always growing. Mm -hmm. um, the number one criteria that I use to make a good match is the relationship. So... Mm -hmm. I, after 20 years of doing this, I know that the reason, the number one reason to invest in a franchise is for people. Right. If you want to go it alone, go be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But if you want to find people that have already figured out how to mitigate the risk of starting this business, they figured out marketing plans, customer acquisition, customer retention, they've created technology, and then you're going into business for yourself but not by yourself, by partnering with them. So we're always trying to make like a marriage, a relationship. Mm -hmm. You're buying into a culture, people that are building a brand and you're all doing it together, right? You mm -hmm. want to be a part of that family. You want to feel that momentum. You want to be inspired by the vision for where they're going to take this business over the next three, five, 10 years that you are going to be a franchisee. Like so many people limit themselves by saying, well, fitness, like, let's just pick that, you know, what if nobody wants to work out? You know, nobody wants to do that in five, in, in, in 15 years. And I'm right. like, well, are you going to own this in 15 years? Like if you're smart, you're going to build it to sell it. Mm -hmm. And that's probably going to happen within a 10 year period. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to worry about that. You can look back at companies like like Blockbuster, right? So Blockbuster is obsolete today, but was it not a great franchise opportunity for a lot of people for many, many years? Yeah, people right. made tons of money. So mm -hmm. it doesn't have to last forever. 
It just has to be the thing that works for you for the investment that you're that you're looking for now to take you to the next place in your life. Because the reality is you're going to get tired of it. Every business, no matter how good it is, it's work. It is. It is. I've been in the fitness industry for 20 years. And trust me, I keep I, I keep getting sucked back in. Um, every time I want to climb out, I keep, I get sucked back in. Um, but well, um, it's a life-giving business. I mean, that's like, you know, that's what we love about it, right? It's an environment right. like my business where you're, you're giving people – when you give somebody there, I was a personal trainer too. So when you, when oh, you give, I didn't know that. Yeah. When you give people their, their, their mobility back or they lose weight and they feel yeah. good and they look good and their confidence goes up. I mean, it's super satisfying. Like I totally get it. It's a, you know, it's a lifestyle business, right? It's like, there's not many businesses that you can get into where, you know, you don't dread going to work on Monday. You know what your right. work is. You're working right. with people and now their weekends may have, been a little different than yours, but you get to kind of deal with people There, you know, there, there is, there are some things in fitness, like specifically personal training where, um, you are for lack of a better term, the entertainment, right? So for, us, <laughs> for, for you, it's work for them. It's entertainment. And so things like holidays, when you want to have a day off, that's when they want to come and see you. And you, you know, you can either put up walls and say, I'm not available for holidays or whatever, but it's also a whole other conversation. So franchising as a wealth building tool is an interesting concept yes. for minorities. Specifically, this has been one of the key ways that minorities in 2022 have built wealth. In fact, I think the estimate is something approximating 30% of all franchise is in the country are owned by minorities, which I find fascinating. What I also found fascinating are that franchises owned by minorities last two and a half times longer than are minority-owned independent businesses, which is an, also an interesting st statistic. Veteran-owned franchises last three and a half times longer than veteran-owned independent businesses. There's stability with franchising. But now we have something looming that some people call a recession, some people call a softening of a market, some people call whatever they call correction. it. Some people, some people call it correction. Some people call it backsliding, whatever, whatever you call it. Is franchising, in your opinion, given the cost of getting into it on some level, depending on what it is, what the franchise opportunity is, is it a good bet right now in 2022 going into 2023 with the possible correction, softening, recession, backsliding, whatever we're going to call it? Uh, I, I say, a hundred percent. Yes. So I've been doing this for 20 years. I had my first breakout year as a franchisee coming out of the recession of 2008, um, in good times and bad, the franchise industry grows, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think because investors know that when there is obstacle, there is greater opportunity. It takes a hardier person to sort right. of like step up and, and acknowledge that. But look, if you're hungry for change in your life, you can't wait. It's like saying it's October and okay, I want to change my body, but I'm going to wait till January one to go to the gym. It's like, no, you're not. Don't lie to yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're ready today, go today. And it's mm -hmm. the same thing. If you start a business in a recession, you're not going to die. If you're part of a good franchisor, is it going to be harder? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's going to be easier because maybe the competitive Editors are going to go away, but mm -hmm. you as part of a stable franchise have a greater opportunity. But here's right. the thing. If you plan to be a business owner, 
at some point, the economy is going to be hard. So if you learn when it's hard, when it comes back and it gets easier, you're that much stronger, right? It's all about finding people, your franchisor, that have been here. They've done it. They've proven that they know how to help you adapt and overcome any challenge. Yep. You're not doing this by yourself. You mm -hmm. don't have to worry about overcoming a recession by yourself. You are partnered with people and your due diligence process should be centered around finding the right people who have that track record of success. So years ago, Micah, one of my very first mentors in, franch in franchising taught me that in good times and bad, the mm -hmm. franchise industry grows. What people invest in and their motivations for investing will change. But in the end, they invest. So in a really good economy, people are wealth building. They want more of the American dream. They have money to put in. They're buying franchises. In a bad economy, people worry about uncertainty. They worry about losing their job. They want to create stability. They're tired of watching their, their money disappear in the stock market. They want to put it into themselves and in something that they can own and control. Mm -hmm. They turn to franchising. So they might be buying more, you know, want-based businesses like massage or, you know, um, wellness studios or, you know, things like that in a good economy. But I would argue those would still sell in a bad economy. Yep. In, a, in a tougher economy, people may be looking at more essential services like, you know, plumbing franchises or, again, home services for the homeowner that are just no matter what. They're not trends or fads. They're just things that people need. Handyman services, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a whole litany of options that are available. And the idea, the whole reason that I have a business is to help you listeners who are inspired by this figure out the right types of businesses for you, for your investment range, for your goals, skills, interests, for your risk tolerance. Not everybody is a big risk taker. If you're a more conservative person, regardless of the economy, something that's a little more tried and true with a bigger track record of success behind it that mm -hmm. has more staying power like laundry or something like that may feel better to you. If you're if you're a 10 on a one to 10 adventurous scale, you know, you may want to be more part of a more pioneering franchise where not every I is dotted and every T is crossed. And it's a little bit out there on the edge because you thrive on that type of adventure and you want to be a part of that startup experience because you plan to build it and sell it off. So when the whole world wakes up and everybody wants what you have because you were a pioneer, but there's no more territory left in Denver, Colorado, where you live, you can raise your hand and say, well, you can buy mine, pay me a six multiple and I'll go away. And we've seen that sort of pioneering trend pay off over the years for these big brands that go on to become the next big American brands, the planet fitnesses of the world, the massage envies of the world, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen these owners cash out on exit for huge multiples once the world woke up. But how do you find out about these brands before they are the next big orange theory? You work with someone like Kim Daly. So I, I can take a brand new concept that I just feel has awesome legs on it, has backed by strong leadership of the franchisor, has all the right you know features and characteristics of it. Sure. Let's pick on Dallas, which is a great market for franchising. And let's mm -hmm. say that Dallas on average can hold 25 stores or 25 territories. Well, 
that's five owners who all come in and buy five locations. That could happen for me in Dallas in a six month period. The entire market of this new pioneering business completely sold out in six months. There's not one location open. Mm. So these owners endeavor to open one, let's say it's a storefront, one storefront at a time. So the first year there's five stores. No one really notices it. The second year there's 10 stores. No one's really noticing it in a market of 7 million people. The third year you got 15 stores. Now you're starting to wake up a little bit. The fourth year you have 20 stores. Now you're like, wow, what is this thing? I'm starting to see it everywhere. Five years after the market was sold, people are waking up saying, what is this? Right. I want to own one. Well, that ship sailed five years ago. Yeah. How do you learn about it? You work with someone like me. Well, you made a good point about, um, you made a good point earlier when you were talking about how, um, you know, the services don't stop regardless of where we are economically as a country. Yep. Kids are still going to stuff the toilet full of toys, <laughs> you know. Overfill gonna... the bathtub as it happened right. in my house. <laughs> I hate to say it. This is a little brutal, but I'm going to say it anyway. People still get killed and crime scene cleanup is a thing, right? Those yeah. things still happen. And, yeah. um, and, in bad economies. And so like you said, these are, these are opportunities where you can kind of step in. And part of the thing that people I think get afraid of, they look at, they look at the news and the news is terrible for your blood pressure. Number one, but number two, it's also awful. If you're trying to get a real life view of how the world works, I feel like people's intuition is better than the news. Like if you feel like things that are happening in the world today, or people are thinking a certain way, or in your local area, people are gravitating to a certain product or service, you're probably more right than you are wrong about that. And you should probably think and follow that line of thought to its logical conclusion. And that might end up being talking to you know, a consultant like you, who has a broad landscape. You talked about the Dallas market, but that's not the only market that you place franchises in. So you have an idea of how these other markets actually function and what is actually going on right now. Like when we're looking at, for instance, placing one of our meld fitness and wellness studios in the territory, we look we look at two things, um, one of two one of many things, but these are two of many things. So one of them is, is fitness a, um, is it a growing passion in the area, or is it an established an established function and people are already competent about fitness in the area. And so one of the best areas of the country right now for fitness to go into is the Texas market, the Bible Belt, right? These are all places where where fitness before people would even think about putting fitness places because it was more of a coastal specific um, function and a coastal specific uh, genre of uh, franchising. But like without having a global mindset and thinking outside the box and actually observing how the world works and reading actual um, reports about where consumers are going that I think that, uh, you know, people are, are going to miss the boat and you, you, it's better to be a day early than a day late for sure. Right. Well, and also in certain instances, there's like, there's a buffer. So 
when I'm going through my list of questions with candidates and getting to know them and understand them, I'm going to ask, like, do you want to sell products and services that people want or what people need? Because I want to sort of see like where their head goes if they focus on the recession and, you know, I want that essential service or, hey, no, like I, I understand you're going to make more money selling people what they want versus what mm-hmm. they need, which is always true. But the, the core of that conversation where I eventually get the candidate is, OK, but who's to say? what is a want or a need, except for the person who's spending the money. So my gym membership is a need. Like I go to the gym six days a week. I'm not exercising outside. Times would have to be really, really tough. And you know what? Even if they were tough, I need to be, I need that gym membership more than I would before. So Hmm. one who doesn't exercise could be like, oh, people are going to give up their gym membership, right? Because they don't understand the mentality of those of us people, weirdos, who want to be in the gym all the time to de-stress and to improve our bodies because it it keeps us functioning. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a and then there's a pocket of of America that regardless of what's happening in the world, they're going to pay for tennis lessons, keep their gym membership get a regular massage, pay for a manicure. They're going to do these things recession or not. Mm -hmm. So what it comes back to when you're a business owner or thinking about becoming one, again, it's partnering yourself with a franchisor who can show you who their customer is and demonstrate through a track record that they understand how to attract that track, that customer. And then when you are the business owner, the competitor in you has to come alive and you have to show up to that business and you have to understand, I don't need everybody. I need whatever I need. And sometimes in personal training studios, because it's a higher average membership, 250 or 300 a month with 50 clients, you're maxed out Mm -hmm. 50 people. And they're going to sell you a territory, you know, two or four mile radius around your club, like 50 people. And these people probably have other boutique fitness memberships. They probably go to yoga, right? So it's not about it's it, before you jump to the conclusion, like how we started this conversation about myths and assumptions that limit people's behavior. It's you come to someone like me. I help you recognize that what you're thinking may or may not be true mm-hmm. and encourage you to take it to the franchisor, take it to the family of franchisees. Don't take your assumptions to your family and friends who know nothing about franchising or know right. nothing about that business because they don't know. You got to yeah, go I- inside the franchise to the people who represent the brand, to the other franchisor, franchisees that are working this system to say, how is it working for you? Are mm-hmm. you worried about a recession? Are you mm-hmm. worried about paying these fees? Because yeah. if the people who are doing it are not worried, then maybe there are answers there for you that will help ease your concerns. In my opinion, I don't see why most people don't see franchising like real estate. To me, it's it's very, with, with the exception of actually owning dirt and things around that. And in some cases, franchises, you may, depending on what the franchise is. But like celebrities or entrepreneurs who are on a celebrity level often have an inter- interesting view of franchising. They often own different concepts, multiple locations of different concepts, and they put it inside a wealth portfolio. So for them, it's about it's about returning investment dollars 
a return on on their cash invested. And for the common person who's getting into it, yeah, they're thinking about the upfront free fee, and they they ultimately have these dreams of this life on a boat on the lake or something, and they're retired. But at the end of the day, I feel like people should view franchising like they view real estate. It's input versus output. And, you know, how much money am I going to put in? What are the statistics around how after I put in the money, how much is it going to take me to ramp? What's what's potentially going to be my return on on money? Because even with real estate, your money is not guaranteed to come back to you at the same rate, despite you already having a massive Excel sheet with all these inputs in there that tell you how much your property is going to appreciate after you do that, right? Especially now that property values are kind of receding just a bit. So, um, you know, do you think that there is a perception problem with how people view wealth in general, portfolio building, and their role in it as a franchise, as a prospective franchisee? Uh, absolutely. But I mean, this is again, why I have spent 20 years, you know, hosting live events and educating people on really how to build wealth in a franchise. So since you're talking real estate, I mean, I look at the franchise is an investment. First and Mm -hmm. foremost, it's an investment. That's why we're not buying passions. We're not buying hobbies. We're buying businesses that have to produce a financial return. But more than that, most people are also looking for some quality of life gain, especially if they're leaving a W-2 job or they're going to keep their W-2 job while they ramp their business. They're looking for long-term freedom, control, and stability. So Mm -hmm. money and quality of life drive passion for that investment business, right? Mm -hmm. Not, hey, I got to do something I love in order to be passionate about it. No, because if you do what you love and it doesn't make you money or you become enslaved to it, you're not going to love it for very long, right? So there's that part of that. But like a real estate investment, the wealth in a franchise will always be created through scale. So it will never be about one of anything. When you're an investor, it's not about one apartment. It's about how do I leverage my time to own 10 or 20 rooftops or door fronts, right? The same thing in a franchise. We can scale our wealth in a franchise using humans. So we can look at revenue per team. We can mm-hmm. scale, like think of like a cleaning company, right? Yep. Where how many people per week can one cleaning crew clean? Mm-hmm. And then we can look at revenue per truck. So we can scale using equipment or trucks like a junk removal company. So we're looking at, you know, revenue per truck, Mm -hmm. or we can look at revenue per location. Okay. So that location can gross me 500,000, which nets to the owner a hundred thousand, but I want to make 500,000. So ultimately over time, I need to be able to build five of those things in my geographical area. So when I work with candidates, we start with the end in mind. I want to know what is the vision of your future? What are you using this business for? Because some people are using it for job replacement. Some people are building it, using it for wealth building, some both. Some people are like him. I lost my job. I want to dive in full time. Some people are saying, I still have my job. I'd like to keep my job. Is it possible for me to ramp a business without being there full time? And the answer is a thousand percent yes with mm-hmm. the right franchise. Not right. every franchise allows semi-absentee ownership, but I absolutely work with all the great ones that do. Mm-hmm. So we look at your goals, where you want to end up, the amount of money you can comfortably and safely afford to put in today, 
right? And we talk about those returns and I can't make earnings claims, but I absolutely am going to frame people's thinking around what the reality is. And again, anything's possible. You just have to have the scale to be able to achieve it. I've interviewed on my YouTube channel, I have interviewed franchise owners who in four years have built one guy, he built a $21 million organization in four years. Mm -hmm. He was in financial services, JP Morgan, left the big bank, the white collar world. He knew nothing about restoration, but he got into the water mitigation business and in four years turned his global leadership skill through the bank in, in for himself and built a team and a company doing $21 million a year and still growing. He told me, I'm not quitting until I get to 100 million. Mm -hmm. How many people out there even know that that kind of money is possible in a franchise? Right. They don't because they're thinking of the Chick-fil-A. They're thinking of the Jersey Mike's. It's not right. possible in those types of businesses, but it is possible in a lot of other service-oriented, non-brick-and-mortar businesses. So yeah. this is why I have a business to share this education before people invest. So that when you go to invest, you're making a decision that's informed, that's educated, that's well thought out. And that's one that uses the business to your point, Micah, as an investment vehicle, not a hobby. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, you know, and starting with the end of mind, when I, whenever I've coached uh, individuals in business and we've spoken about how to grow, it's always about how you plan to, what is your life like when you're done? Because that's an important question to answer. What do you plan to do? What do you like doing? Do you like traveling? Do you like eating at great restaurants? Do you like eating at great restaurants while you're traveling? <laughs> you know, all these things cost money. Um, and not just that, we don't get younger and less uh, and more healthy with age. Things crop up that also require money. If you have children and your children maybe have special needs, then they are <laughs> really expensive as as you get older and you know the cost of long-term care is really expensive so there's a lot of i mean you're right there's so many factors to think about but the how you want your life to end up and what kind of life you want is an excellent question because if a person just wants to find meaning in their life by working with their hands then there's a franchise for that and they can work with their hands they can build as much money as they want and then they can close it but if a person wants to pull a Robert Kiyosaki cash flow quadrant and go from employee to self-employed to business owner to investor, then they can do that with franchising. And that's really important. And I think that speaking to someone like you who has the ability and has seen and placed so many people into different franchises, and you've heard these stories before, and you know what businesses are going to be good long-term for investment. It's like in I speak about the fitness industry a lot because I've been in the fitness industry for two decades. So, you know, if you're listening to this, you'll have to just suck it up for a little bit. Um, so the reality now is like, there's a lot of money coming into fitness from private equity firms and things like this. And it's not just because fitness is a hot commodity, which it is, and a growing interest, which it is in many different places where it wasn't before. It's that these private equity firms are coming in as franchisees because they recognize that franchises are valuable investments as they could buy apartment buildings and create these real estate investment trusts. But instead, they're investing it into businesses that are operational that return cash to them. And I always say, 
just like the website that tells you what stocks Congress are trading and selling, buying and selling on <laughs> online, that you can buy and sell based off of that, that you should be looking to see where money is going in the marketplace. And right now, money is going into franchising and becoming franchisees from people who have to return money to the people who they are fiduciary, who they have a fiduciary obligation to. And so if there's money coming into franchising by these outside people for whom that they have to return an investment, then as an individual investor or a business owner, you should be thinking the same thing. How is money moving? And it's all in front of your face. Talking to someone like Kim is what, what gives you that insight. Go ahead. Yeah, that was excellent. I'm yeah, so my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm not going to take up too much of your time because I think that what we talked about is really powerful. I do want to address something that I think that's really important, and we can end on this note after we talk about this for a bit, which is let's talk to the person who's like, okay, Kim, this is all well and good. I'm a school teacher. I make $50,000 a year. I have a 401k and it has $20,000, $25,000, $30,000 in there. How am I going to get rich from a franchise when I don't have that much money to invest and I don't make a ton of money? How am I going to multiply my income and get to the level of a person who can say I will retire with $100 million in the bank? If I want to try to do that, how in the world do I get there? Aren't franchises way too expensive and cost prohibitive for me to get into? I love it. I love the case study. So um, the way that you're going to do it is the way that anybody else would do it. One business at a time. So what I would say is, yes, it takes money to make money. But there's there's another myth out there that if I put in more money, then that's going to give me a better return. And that is absolutely untrue. So in a franchising, and this is something that I, in my uh, one of my early conversations with candidates, before we ever start talking about specific franchises, I educate every single person what their money buys. So I have a little 10-minute setup that teaches you what every franchise business costs and why. So before I ask you what you think is a comfortable and safe level of investment for you, I'm going to teach you what your money will buy. So I'm going to make the correlation between money and time. So it's money and time that are correlated, not money in and money out. In fact, the lower investments that I have are some of the highest producing returns. If the owner is the right owner to drive that business forward. And what I mean by that, a specific example would be like, if you think of like a real estate agent, it's pretty cheap investment to become a real estate agent, right? You take a course, you spend some money to get licensed, you're investing in yourself. And then, but you can go out and you could move 10 homes a year, or you could develop your skill, develop your network, create really big goals for yourself, hold yourself accountable to the goals, and you could get to where you are selling 10 homes a month. What's the difference? the real estate agent and their goals. So the lower the investment of money, it's not the higher, like it's not the, oh, that's going to limit how much I can make. But what it implies is that you will be a very full-time owner, a very big center of influence driving that business forward. On the flip side of that conversation, the bigger the investment 
it actually comes with capped return usually. And, but what it does give you back is your time. Because when you have that laundromat, it's a big capital investment to build it, maybe a million dollars to build it all out and get all your washers and dryers in there, but probably five hours a week or less by an owner to then right. manage it on an ongoing basis. So those are kind of two extremes, but then there are thousands of shades of gray between, you know, the black and the white. So it's not about money in, money out. Mr. Not Chief. 50, thousands. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's not about how much money you have to put in today. It's about where do you begin yeah. with this dream in your heart, finding the business that you can afford to do right now that gets you up the learning curve, that turns that, you know, 401k money into something that's owned and controlled by you, this cash flowing asset, creating tax advantages, building confidence, building that pride that you dare to do something that only 1% of Americans do. You know, 99, um, 1% of Americans are millionaires, but 99% of those millionaires are business owners. Mm -hmm. So you're in that elite class. It doesn't have to be the only business you ever own. It's just the first business you own. And if it's yeah. not the one that takes you to the, the financial freedom you really aspire to get to, then it's the first of many that over time you acquire. You might build and sell or you might build an add-on. So it's a step-by-step -step the way that anybody else would do it, Mr. Teacher. And if you are inspired to do it, I 100% say let's have a conversation because it's it's a great time to begin. It's a it's yeah. a great time to begin. It's the same thing with real estate. Like all the times I've thought about getting into real estate, the cap on the earnings on what I could afford to return, what I could afford to buy, was a reason why not to do it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, well, my my thing is like okay, so like I'm in the city of Boston. Um, I live in Massachusetts, um, and um. And they have these three families, right? So, so let's just talk about three family, three units in, inside one building. Okay, so let's say that, you know, you're getting great rents and you have all these expenses. At the end of the day, you can only go up on every on the rent so much every single year. And number two, uh, assuming nothing happens, like a roof doesn't go and the water heater, all these components, then you're netting, let's call it 3500 bucks, maybe four grand a month, maybe, right? That's anywhere between forty to fifty thousand dollars a year. It's not enough to retire. No, right. maybe you can travel, but you're not going to a nice restaurant while you travel, like we talked about earlier. And um, so I, you know, I thought to myself, like, what in the world? In order for me to get involved on in real estate, I would have to buy a hundred unit building because that's where the money actually is, not on the three unit building. But when you're franchise, when you're franchising, when you own a business, the cap on income is what, however hard you're willing to work, times however many people you can get into the business, times how you're willing to expand in your marketplace, right? So there's, sure. it's like you're not capped at like four grand a month on one property that yeah. you either have to hire someone to go and plunge or you have to go there at three in the morning and plunge the little kid's toy Thomas train out of the toilet yourself. <laughs> Exactly. Well, this, so a specific example, there's a company called Soccer Shots. It makes me think of this. So Soccer Shots, and if you have kids, maybe you've even seen it in your local market, right? It's little soccer programming for toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners. So that's a franchise. Mm -hmm. So it's a franchise, though, that costs like way under 100000 all in. 
um, because you're literally renting the field from the school on the weekend when they're not there. And you're going to pay a little bit of rent relative to the number of kids that are going to show up to play soccer. And the more fields that you can secure and the more programs that you can run, the more money you can make. There's mm -hmm. very, very little fixed costs with this. You have the, co the cost of your coaches and you have a little bit of cost in rent for that field, but that's mm -hmm. it. And marketing. So one of their top franchisees, not to make an earnings claim, but um, one of their top franchisees does over $3 million mm -hmm. in soccer revenue at like a 90% net margin. Listen to that, people. From Crazy. $100,000 investment. That's a true story. So, and there are, there are so many other, I interviewed a woman on Kim Daily TV. She's part of British swim school. She's in Massachusetts. I'm actually in New Hampshire, by the way. Are you? She's out there. In, yeah. In Springfield, Mass, British swim school. Like what the heck wow. is that? So they do the same thing. They rent pools and she runs swimming lessons. She saves kids' lives by teaching them how to swim. Yep. And it's the same thing. There's no limit to how big she can grow her business. All in, mm -hmm. way under 100000 Her and her husband decided to both quit their jobs and do it because they saw the need for swimming lessons. Parents were telling them, I was on a wait list for a year especially because pools were closed during COVID and all these kids needed swimming lessons. And now there's new kids who need swimming lessons. And the demand for it is so big. They were like, we can go out and secure pools and hire college kids who maybe were swimmers in high school who wanted, you know, or lifeguards in the summer who want to teach swimming lessons or just someone who likes to play with kids and isn't afraid to get in the pool mm -hmm. to go teach. And the more pools that they can sign up, the marketing that they can do, and they're turning that what typically is a sunk cost in a gym or in a rec center, a pool, into a revenue stream. It's a win-win for both sides. So the husband goes out and secures the pools and negotiates the deals, and the wife is managing. She was an HR professional. She's hiring and coaching her team of swim instructors. And, and she's like, Kim, it's awesome. She's like, we watch these families come together at swim lessons. They didn't even know they were neighbors. And now these moms are like hanging out outside of swimming yeah. lessons. It's awesome. Yeah. And who would know that that's a franchise? It's a franchise. And it's a big franchise. Low investment, big, big, healthy margins. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. I like that case study as well. All right. I have a hot seat question for you. Um, question of the day. All right. So the question of the day is I have just average credit. How big of a factor is credit factoring in when you're trying to buy a franchise? Um, I think it's really important. Um, so I'm not the financing or lending expert. I have the people who do that at my disposal for you. Um, if, if, if financing is an issue or you feel your credit's going to be an issue before we even begin exploring franchises, I'm going to lead you to my financial people to get you pre-qualified. Because sometimes when I'm like, oh, I don't even know if I can help this person, they come back and go, oh, yeah, no, their credit's great. And their debt to income ratio is great. Like we could give them an unsecured line of credit for up to 250. And I'm like, oh, you know, so now we have right. a number that I can create some options with. And then on the flip side, if, you know, if it's the candidate that's worried, like, I don't know, like this is the reality cam or, hey, I have a bankruptcy on my credit report. I'm like, you know what? I don't know if that will impact us. Let's see what the lenders say, because mm -hmm. they may say, yeah, you know what? that it will impact for certain types of businesses, but not these types of businesses. So it'll right. just allow us to be more focused mm -hmm. on what, you know, is going to work for you. 
right from the beginning. So I'm going to stay in my lane and say, I can't ask, uh, answer that question, Micah, but I will absolutely lead my people to the people who can expertly answer that question <laughs> and even get you pre-qualified. Yeah, no, fair enough. How can people contact you if they want to learn more about franchising, see what's in your quote supermarket? That's my turn. So two different Four things. So of my web, <laughs> yeah, my website is the Daily Coach, D-A-L-Y, thedailycoach.com. I have so much information up there, but even better than that is my ever-growing YouTube channel. I have over 400 videos on franchising, myth-busting, value proposition, those evil fees and how dare those franchisors, interviews with top-performing franchisors and their top-performing franchisees, mindset coaching. I have a whole series called The Daily Grind, which is just about being successful and how to not fail once you say yes. So over 400 videos growing every week at kimdaily.tv. So either place, my website or my YouTube channel, you can find my contact information. If you're inspired and my services are free, we didn't say that, but you never pay me any money. There's no risk. There's no uh -oh. obligation. So just reach out. I love it. Kim, thank you for coming on to the Common Sense Show today. Appreciate your insights. You have been awesome. I didn't know that you were a neighbor, but now that you are, then we can talk franchising on a regular basis. Go check out her YouTube channel, Kim Daily. Daily? Kim Daily TV? Yep, KimDaily.tv, and that's D-A-L-Y. There you go. All right, folks, that was an awesome interview I had with uh, Kim today. She has a lot of, obviously, franchise insights. She is a rock star in the fran I mean, look, I brought on the top consultant in the country. The top consultant. She probably would say she's not the top consultant. I'm telling you she's the top consultant. She is amazing. Um, on the next episode of the Common Sense Show, we are giving many different opportunities for you to learn about entrepreneurship. We have, so we just posted new videos on the on the YouTube channel. Five things that uh, you should know about something. Hold on, let me look. Actually, you'd think I would be more prepared than I am right now, but it's oh five productivity hacks to implement today to earn you more money, and also. Five things to know when you're about to start your business. So check those videos out. Don't forget, if you're interested, to join our free Facebook group. The link to that group will be in the description. Until next time, if you don't go to work building your dreams, then you're going to be going to work on building someone else's. I'm Micah. I'll talk to you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.